Hey guys, a quick note before we roll. The George Hahn Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. No advertisers, no paywall. All my online efforts are made possible by the support of readers, followers, fans, and listeners like yourselves. To keep it all commercial-free, visit georgehahn.com support, where you can make a one-time contribution or start a monthly subscription on my Patreon. That's georgehahn.com support. And thank you. It's bad enough when people talk on speakerphone in public. It's made even worse when people talk on speakerphone in public and hold the phone like it's a piece of toast. Where do I begin about my guest? How do I begin? When I was a kid at home, I remember seeing her on late-night cable doing stand-up at the Improv or wherever, unable to get enough of her body flavor of comedy and confidence. Then in 1989, my dad bought me a cassette of her hit one-woman show, Without You I'm Nothing. I was transfixed. I didn't really know this kind of performance was possible. Funny, edgy, cutting, relevant, ahead of its time. And speaking of something ahead of its time, if you haven't seen her performance in Martin Scorsese's King of Comedy with Robert De Niro and Jerry Lewis, rent it now. Since all of that, she's done sitcoms, movies, TV shows, most recently Ryan Murphy's Pose and American Horror Story. I saw her most recently at her annual holiday run at Joe's Pub on New Year's Eve, back in person after a three-year pandemic absence. She is a comedian, a singer, a writer, an actress, one of our sharpest cultural observers, one of my favorite entertainers, an overall icon, and this year, my Valentine, Miss Sandra Bernhard. How often do you do the show? I only do it once a week now. Which day? Is it Tuesday? Thursday. Thursday. Thursday, 1 o'clock. One hour? One hour. Do you want to do more of it? No. I started doing five days a week and then reduced. You're just like, uh. Well, I mean, my focus is on getting more acting work and being on the road and doing all the other things I do. I don't want to. It's not fun to do this five days a week. But you you like the experience, though, don't you? Talking to someone like it's all right. It know, depends on the person. It's not your main. Thing. Uh, there's not that many people that can get into the slipstream, so sometimes it's not fun for me. Okay. I mean, most of the time it's people I want on the show, but sometimes they have to fill in a guest. Yeah. And and in general, people are not comfortable winging it. Interesting. People are nervous. If they're actors, they're used to having a script. Or, or if they're on a talk show, there's it's by the numbers, you know, like a late night talk show. Yeah, you know, the people will guide them into areas where you know it's safe and it, it, they want to stay on track. And it's a that's the last setup. thing I want to do, you know. Right. And it's a little set up. Yeah. Sometimes, I do appreciate. Somebody asked me what kind of podcast I wanted to do, like what this thing is. It's like I don't want to talk to people who are trying to plug an album or a show or whatever. Like it's not. I want to talk to people I'm interested in talking to and catching up with. That was my whole concept with Sandyland, which is to talk about often to people who have huge careers, but talk about things that they may never allow themselves to reveal. And I don't mean personal things. I just mean anecdotal things. How we get through this thing called life. Yeah. Electric word life. Yeah. <laughs> um, the I, elevator tries to bring you down. Yeah, go crazy. Do you know something freaky and kind of fantastic that made my day? Like this whole trip that I'm on with social media and what have you, and I've like sort of gotten to know people that I've never gotten to know before, and it's usually through social media. Like I've known you since the Garen days back in the mid '90s, but like <laughs> you get a <laughs> notification on your phone, and like, and you see who's following you now on Twitter. Wendy and Lisa are now following you. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> That's awesome. Honey. It's amazing. What do you want from it? I'm, I'm, I follow you, and I'm curious mm-hmm. to know because it seems like you, you, you suddenly sort of just like exploded into this yes. world. And I know you were trying to be an actor, mm-hmm. and you you left New York, went back to Ohio, and came back to New York. And so, when did you decide to go take this particular 
route? It was a door that opened and I walked through it, you know? I how, remember, so, how so? Um, I wanted to come back to New York. I was looking for an opportunity. And then Garen, who gave me my first job back in 1994, and is kind of like my New York City godfather in a way, uh, and we're still friends, obviously. And he reached out to me uh, about s- a few months before I moved back here. And he said, you still want to move back to New York, right? I said, yeah. And he said, well, my cosmetic dermatologist is looking for a concierge to help with his VIP patients like celebrities and the sort of like the big spenders um, to sort of grease the wheels and make that a silky, seamless experience for them. He goes, I know you know what to do with that. Mm-hmm. And he said, it would get you back here. It's not the big dream, but it's something that will get you back here. Yeah. Would you be into it? I'm like, fuck yes. Yeah. So I connected with Rob. Uh, Analek is his name. Mm-hmm. And um, we had literally, Sandy, like a 15-minute FaceTime. Hit it off like a house on fire. He's got I'm a sure. great energy. He's super talented. And, uh, is he just I, silhouette, by the way? No. Okay. Not th- well, is it a new thing on the scene? It's it's not that new, but it's uh, it's those... Where they kind of draw up your jawline with those oh, oh with st- strings, strings that have things on them. No. Okay. He does, for jawline, he'll do a little Botox on the bands, which uh, he's done on me. Uh, yeah. I mean, I do all that stuff. And all therapy, and that's yeah. it. Oh, I hate all therapy. It hurts. It is like being in hell. Yeah. Yeah. And Sidebar. I've, and it doesn't always work. No. Um, so Rob and I, we hit it off, mm-hmm. and that was my way back here. Mm-hmm. Then pandemic hits. Like, I'm not into the job two months, and we're in lockdown. <sighs> Welcome back to New York. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I made a video. I always had a social media presence. And then Molly Jong Fast. Who I love. Adore. She and I are connected on Twitter, and she was talking about how this was after the George Floyd thing. There were the uh, – uh, the demonstrations, there were some riots and what have you, and there was this narrative in the media that New York City was a hellscape. And then, of oh, course, yeah, like, right. you uh-huh. pile all that on, uh-huh. and this guy named James Altucher, I guess he's one of the owners of Stand Up New York, left New York and wrote this diatribe about New York is dead. And then Jerry Seinfeld brilliantly like slapped back in the New York Times with his editorial, like, you want to leave New York? See ya. I'm, this is my town, baby. Like, Knock yourself out in Florida, wherever the hell you're going. <laughs> um, Literally. Right. Or somebody will. So that was going on in my head. And Molly had just talked about this. I'm giving you the long version. I'm sorry. Um, I asked you. I turned the tables and started <laughs> interviewing you. I love this. And then Molly talked about on her podcast, someone called her out as a liar or fake news because she posted a picture of her street. She's an East Side girl. Um, and it was this tranquil you know, New York City scene. Yeah. Now, I live here. You live here. She lives here. We know, like, are, are people who don't live here telling us what it's really like here? Like, oh, yeah. I, I remember all this. Right? Yes, of course. So I literally, literally, I'm walking down Columbus Avenue with my dogs. It's summer. It was like early, or, yeah, early September. People are eating outside. I'm walking past Big Gay Ice Cream. Like, it's all like there's music, there's cocktails, there's dinner. Like, people are okay. This is pre-vaccine. Yeah. And I just literally fired up the phone, flipped that camera around, and filmed 77 seconds that changed my life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I spun it and Molly retweeted it and Molly's got a million followers and then people who followed her and then all of this shit started happening. It blew up and I got like, I was like, okay, this could be my Citizen Kane or I could make some lemonade here. <laughs> yeah. No, it's great. It's I'm a just, crazy ride. Okay. I love that. So Fabulous. the long answer, what am I trying to do? Like, yes, I'm still acting. I just did a TV campaign. Um, I just did a voiceover gig for a, um, an animated series, which was super fun. I have some meetings that I'll tell you about off mic that are that I can't talk about yet, but Shit's happening, and it's it's exciting in a way that, like, it opened doors. Like Joan Rivers always said, because I worked for Joan, and she left us with a lot of things that still swirl around in my head. Mm-hmm. When a door opens, go through it. And if it doesn't open, beat it down. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. For sure. So I have – I wear a lot of hats. The tricky question is when people ask me, so what do you do? And I'm like, mm, 
and the answer is I just I'm 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 in media and I create content. Fair enough. Yeah, I love it. On Stephanie Rule, the the Chiron says George Hahn humorist. I'm like, I'll take it. Love it. Yeah, that's always a good one. Sure. So your is is are there more Ryan Murphy productions happening? Um. I think there's lots of Ryan Murphy productions happening. If, am I involved with that's them? What I mean. that, that's yet to be seen. I mean, he doesn't really get back to some people until like the 12th hour. So Right. But I hope I'm on the next season of American Horror Story. But as of now, I don't have any idea. Was this last one a positive experience? I like oh, the show. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Anytime I've, I've done any I – mean, I've only done three things with him. I mean three – I did a, a, a one guest starring thing on American Horror Story. I did my big arc on Pose, which was mm. amazing. And – this season of American Horror Story, which yeah. was amazing. So he, I'm hoping that he continues to use me. I hope so too. Yeah. He is one of people, he, he's created great work for um, like the gay community, obviously, but also for women. Totally. And another one who does that is Paul Figg, the director. I yeah. Got, I would love to like, I going all the way back to Bridesmaids and then. I know. He, Spy, I'm excited by these creators who are creating really interesting work for women and Ryan's one of them. Yeah. I, he, he definitely is. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we'll see how that plays out. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, you know, I'm writing things and performing and, and doing what I always do. I'm just, you know, yeah, jotting and, down notes, observing, you know, the slipstream of of our culture and life, which I've been doing for almost 50 years. <laughs> Not I'm, – I'm – Unlike Joan, I don't I don't necessarily believe in knocking doors down. I don't right. think that that's – I don't think for me that's applicable. I think that I like to just sort of, you know, stand by and see how things unfold. That's kind of what I'm, I've been doing I'm not, lately, I'm not honestly. A, I'm, not, um, I'm not a pushy person, mm-hmm. but I do – I love to work. You do? I don't like to work too much. Mm-hmm. I like time off to, to, to regroup. And I like to hang out, you know. I like to hang out with friends. I like to go to the gym. I like to go grocery shopping. I love to do laundry, um, spend time with my dog and my girlfriend, and, and occasionally our daughter when she stops by. When she graces you with when her presence. When she graces us with her presence. She's how old now? She's 24. Now, la- when last we spoke and we, <laughs> we talked about her, gosh, you know, it was a Tignataro has a funny joke. Like, she's 24. Can you believe it? You're like – well, let's see. You were pregnant with her and you did a show about 24 years ago. Yeah, that tracks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it, and, and yet it doesn't. I know. know. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, it doubly tracks because I think most people would already have a kid that was in my age in their 40s. Right. And so because I do it when you do it. Who gives a that's shit? what I said. I don't, no. I don't knock down doors. No. When, when the door is prepared to be, you know, beautifully opened. <laughs> And graced with your visage. Yeah. Now she was she was working at a coffee shop. Still the case? No, 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 no. Now she's um, a creative assistant to a young producer director. Someone we like. Um, she seems fine. I don't really know her. Okay. I mean, I know I, I know what she does, but right. yeah. And Cicely, my daughter, I think will unfold in many different directions. She's an incredible. She writes proposals for her for when she's trying to get video and and. You know, film works. Cicely will write up the proposal, mm-hmm. and she's very good at that. And then she's just a visual artist as well. So, you know, she she will find her way in a creative outlet, and that will be what she does. And she's going to be great at it. I would imagine a child of yours is going to like wind up being someone like I'm not worried. Like she's going to be okay. Well, I mean, I do worry. Of course, you're her mother. I do worry, but because you know, it. kids these days think they they don't have to do anything that's t- too intense or too hard, you know. They like to, they like it to be a little less high pressure. And I like to now I'm pr- I'm pushing her through the doors <laughs> that I don't need to be pushed through. Damn it! For the kids who don't know you, okay, your first like for like the first decade was Flint, Michigan, and yeah. then you got into the, the family station wagon and went to Scottsdale, right, Arizona, Arizona AZ, and six oh two did some kibbutzing. Mm-hmm. And um, went to Israel exactly 50 years ago on February 8th. <gasps> 1973 just... was a seminal year for me. I graduated high school. I went to Israel. Roe v. Wade was passed. You know, the war in Vietnam 
finally came to an end. And yeah, that was my big year, you know, of really coming into my own and deciding what I was going to really follow through on my dream of becoming a performer. And a year later, I moved to L.A. I didn't know what I was doing or how I was going to do it. So when I arrived in L.A., I went to Charles Ross School of Beauty to become a manicurist. That's a renowned story. <laughs> um, and worked at 351 North Cannon Drive, which was CIA hair salon, CIA. <sighs> like a an agency. Woodsy, a woodsy affair. <laughs> macrame hanging baskets. <gasps> wow. Yeah. yeah. 1970s. Yeah. Do you still do, do you do your own nails? No, I don't. I go to um, Michael, but his real name is Dayil Choi. And I find that very racist that all these, you know, Asian. They have to Americanize manicure, their name. Manicurists and people in the beauty world have to like change their name to American names. Yeah. I'm not into I'm, it. I mean, I can't say Dayil. Yeah. I mean, it's insulting. Yeah. Dale Choi was, was a pop star in his country, in, mm -hmm. in um, Korea, South Korea, back in, I guess, the 80s. He said he walked on stage one night, he looked at the audience and goes, I hate you. And he walked off and he said, I'll never do it again. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have any plans to do that. No. no, I don't have any plans <laughs> to do that, darling. No. I mean, there have been oh nights God. when I don't really like the crowd because... Every night, each crowd has its own imprint mm -hmm. and collective energy. But because some nights there will be a couple of duds in the crowd and it kind of brings the whole thing down. But that's rare. Is it – I when I went to get – when I got tickets to your – a ticket because I – you know, Han Solo, that's me. <laughs> um, I knew I wanted to go New Year's Eve and I debated the earlier or the later show and I just thought, oh, the New Year's Eve, that I don't want to have to like be coming home at that hour so I went to the earlier one. Mm -hmm. What is that later show like? Like what is that crowd like? Is it is it, mark is it noticeably different? Yeah. 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 I mean people are, they want to commune yeah. at midnight. They want to have that, you know, sort of vibe of like leaving something behind and seamlessly entering mm -hmm. something new in a really – beautiful way, yeah. which I try to create, and uplifting and, and fun. I mm -hmm. hope so. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a party, you know, vibe. And it's also an emotional vibe because every, when we leave a year behind, we are also leaving behind, you know, great things, tragedy, heartbreak, elation, celebration, and every year has its own particular color to it. The pastiche that is life. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I sat at a table with, just so people know, like, how it works at Joe's Pub. You, It's not seats. It's a cabaret, and you have tables, and you can get a whole table or some people. I was at an incomplete table, meaning, like, if there were, I don't know, six seats there, there were five purchased, and I bought the one. I'm like, I'm going to sit with strangers just because. It was so much fun. Yeah, everybody comes to my shows. I, I feel like anybody could drop in on a table Definitely. and be totally welcome. That's, oh. that's the, that is the – That's the energy you That project. I like to create. You nailed it. And I, someone at the table was a follower from Instagram. Mm -hmm. So we hit it off and that was magical and very sweet. And this was your first time – shut down for three years, right? Right. The last time I'd performed was 2019. Yeah. And then the year before, last year, you did an Instagram, uh, like a live thing online. Yeah, twenty twenty twenty, I did Instagram live. Yeah, from my bed, live from my bed, from live my from office, your bedroom. I remember from my office. And Sarah was like, "I'm going to bed," and she went in the other room and closed the door. She didn't want to know about it. <laughs> I watched it. I watched it. I loved it because it's like you know what the fuck? Like it's. <sighs> well, it was fun for me because sure. I was so like. We were all like still so terrified to be around anybody right. at that point. So it was so exciting and fun to like know that people were like there, even though I couldn't see them. Mm -hmm. And then you know how people write to you while they're watching. It was yeah, oh, yeah. it was. And I knew I was like doing something that was nice for people. And, yeah. for, and, and for me, I got so much out of it. It was so good to be in person again, though. I oh, I mean, come you, on. Like, I mean, I, I'm just saying that was great because th we didn't have any choice, but. I don't. That is not my jam. <laughs> Tell me, when you do the radio show, are they all in person or do you do some remote? No, I do all. I do all of them from home now. Unless, really? yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to schlep into the studio. 
Really? Yeah, because 90% of the people that are on, are they're not in the studio. Because I love doing this, what we're doing right now. I know, I but, this this. Is, but, but people don't want to do this anymore. I guess not. No, over at Sirius... People don't come through. They're they're in L.A. or they're wherever right. they are. So there's no reason to go into the studio just to be on right. Zoom in the studio is my right. point. Yeah. Now, if it's somebody I, I love um, and they're going to be in the studio, sure, I'll go over there. But that's just not – people, they don't – they'll never go back to that again. Kara Swisher and I were talking about <sighs> – it was one of the times I was guest hosting Pivot and – uh, we were talking about movie theaters. And I still like to go, actually, because mm-hmm. I am not, you know, on the romantic front, it's not all sussed out. I'm still, it's Han Solo, as I said. So mm-hmm. I need to get out. It's one of the reasons I got this space. I do spend most of my time working from home. I just moved into a new apartment. I love it. It's, it's you know. Oh, where's your new place? Same building, down the hall, literally. Bigger? I'm upper West Side, bigger, yeah. You got a one bedroom now? I have doors, Yes. Congratulations. Have doors in a real kitchen, honey. That's nice. It's really nice. I had I think the best apartment I'll ever have was in Cleveland because they practically pay you to live there. <laughs> and it was a sick brand new it was an old like 110-year-old warehouse that had been renovated into residential. I was the first one to live in this unit. Mm. Loft it was 13-foot ceilings, 8-foot windows. I had a view of Lake Erie, downtown. Laundry in the unit. Courtyard for the dog, courtyard for people, grills, fire pits, like, and it was like $1,400. Oh, God. Right. I mean, why can't we, like, you know, be able to, like, transport ourselves back and forth to different places, spend our days in New York, and then go back to someplace like that? That's that's what's frustrating. They keep promising nanotechnology, you know. Whatever that means. And, And it's like, unless you can actually, like, somehow, like, transport yourself, Mm -hmm. what good is it? Who gives a shit? I found, though, like, I went to Cleveland. Well, my mother was ill. That was one of the reasons. She's okay now. But, like, that was a little dicey, and, like, things had dried up for me here. But I went there. It was a grand experiment, really. Let's just see how this goes and what what the hometown looks like with adult lenses now. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, ultimately it wasn't for me. couldn't really find a tribe. But what I did discover, and you've talked about this before, like, New York has gotten so expensive for creatives particularly, and yeah. so they've had to seek out other, you know, second or third tier cities, for lack of a better phrase. Mm-hmm. Cleveland, if one, I, what I did realize, Cleveland is one example, like if you don't have to, if you are not geographically tethered to something and you want space, there's a lot there. But the thing is, like you have to bring it there. You can't go there to seek it. I, I think that's the case in most places. Yeah. You can't go there. Like, you can't go to, like, I could never go to Pittsburgh, let's say. They go, oh, let's just go see, let's go seek out some opportunities there. There are not going to be, like, <laughs> I would have to bring, it's someone <laughs> like me, I should say. But, yeah, the Cleveland experience is great, or I think any of those are great, but you've got to bring the party, you've got to bring the circus with you. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that it's the case in, in most of America, at least. Yeah. America is a funny, a funny place. You know, it's. Uh, I think people are just happy doing the nine to five thing. Yeah, coming home. I mean, maybe they have a bar they like to go to. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a couple of restaurants they'll go out to. But I think, I think that you know, they go to the grocery store, they make dinner, they have their kids. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, a nine to five uh, country. Yeah, people I... don't like to get out of their comfort zone. They don't. I, it started to drive me nuts, actually. Huh. Like, I didn't. I, I bet it did. I was not long for car life. I didn't have a car the whole time. People thought I was a, like this odd unicorn. Like they would blink at you like, you don't have a car. <laughs> they just couldn't wrap their head And around. here it's so great because you, you don't want a car. God, no. I mean, it's so expensive to have a car in New York City. People don't understand. It's like by the time you buy it and you house it and the insurance and the maintenance and the gas, I mean – Honey. Minimum a thousand dollars a month Easily. to keep a car in the city. It's like, and you never, you're never going to spend that much on transportation nowhere near it. No. And then you get on the road. Like I look at, like uh, I get this weird Schadenfreude when I see the faces of drivers in traffic. I'm like, you asked for this. Why? I hate driving in New York. I, I mean, you and me both. Put me in a car in LA. It's like 
easy breezy. Right. I know all the off ramps. I know the back roads. I know how to get over outposts, you know, to the valley. I am like, I'm L.A. bound, ready to roll. But the minute I get behind the, the wheel of the car in New York City, I'm terrified. Mm-hmm. People will step out in front of you. I mean, it's just the idea that you could possibly hurt somebody. is yeah. constant. I don't know how taxi drivers and Uber drivers do it because people shoot out in the in the you know the the messenger bikes and the delivery bikes and and you're just like, no, I don't want that on my conscience. Nope. That's it. I'm not fucking driving in the city. It's so even if we rent cars to go, you know, go out to the country. Sarah will drive, and I just let her do it because she's got men, em, em, infinite more patience and ability not to get, you know, th- rattled by it like I do. I turn into an asshole. Like, I, like I, something happens to me, and a lot of people, I think, when they get behind the wheel of a car, and, like, they just, like, this entitlement washes over them. And for some reason, like, my destination becomes more important than that pedestrian's <laughs> destination. Like, where you're going to is, like, not near as important. Like, I got to get I, there. I understand you that, I mean? too. I like, get that, uh, too. No, no, it's like, not. What is happening to me? I don't like this. It is not for me. No. Um, and also, yeah, like we were just saying, um, when you got here, you lean into the city living with the subway. Ra- I love riding the subway. I'm not opposed to it at all. I, I have no problem with it. You know, times of day, places you're going. Keep your wits about you. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I just take the subway everywhere. Everywhere, I don't. But like getting here today to Midtown. Yeah. First place, it's a great walk. I walk from 22nd, you know, West Side up to, to 6th Avenue. I take the F for the M. It's three stops. Easy. I am three Two stops. stops right? I go up to 86. And I literally, I don't have to leave. I can leave this building, go under. I don't have to go mm. outside. I don't go outside. Unbelievable. And then when I want to like, like when it's lunchtime or whatever, there's the whole concourse and then all that shit. I never have to go outside if it's raining, which is kind of. I, I'm That's a, a luxury. I'm a nerd about this little town within a town here in this Rockefeller Center area. It's it's kind of. It is crazy how much underground yeah. activity there is in New York. Oh, I get my shoes shined. I go get – if I feel like a little ice cream on the rare moment, there's a cookie place. I'll get a bagel, black seed, delicious. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I got what I need. Um, I'm curious about well, with any creative person, your process. Run your day for me. You get up usually around what time? Well, Sarah gets up very early because she has a – a job she needs to get to. A job job. A job job. Yeah. So usually I'm up by, you know, 7.30. Okay. You know, I get up. I um, – Is it coffee or tea? I, I do – I drink a glass of celery juice. Celery juice is very good for you. Interesting. With with my lipospheric C. Tell me more. Um, lipospheric C is it's like a, a gel in a little package and it – absorbs much better than any other kind of vitamin C. These are th- these are things I take on an empty stomach, a probiotic, my lipospheric C. Um, I take um, marine algae. Um, I take a, um, oh, D-mannose with um, cranberry for urinary tract health. And then I segue into a green juice that I'll do a squeeze of lime with um, my chlorophyll drops. And um, some more like sort of, you know, um, sea-oriented green powder that I mix in along with coconut water. And I get I get all my juices from Juice Press. We have a Juice organic. Press downstairs. Oh, do you? Mm-hmm. Oh, good to know because I need to get a few juices on yeah. my way out. Perfect. Yeah. Anyway, so I do that. And then um, – I feel like I want to put on a lab coat while you do this. <laughs> it's amazing. Um. And then I usually take George out, our dog, for a walk. George and Smokey, mine are the same age. Smokey's 13. Yeah. Yep. George. North Shore Animal League kids. Yes. Yours is from North Shore? Both of mine, yeah. Oh, my God. Aren't they the best? (sighs) I mean. Were they puppies when you got them? Yeah. Yeah. And they were very different. Uh, They're bigger dogs. Smokey's about 30 pounds. Yeah. Lenore is 70. Wow. Yeah, she's a handful. That's a lot of food. That's a lot of that's a lot of livestock in the apartment. <laughs> it ain't cheap too, because feeding dogs is like yeah. I don't cut corners there. Like I want them to eat well. Yeah. Like I don't want any weird. You know, I do dietarily. I've 
you know, I spend to make sure that they eat well. It's important yeah, well, to me. so do we. we yeah. George eats some um, primal meats. Same with Smokey. Ah, they okay. do the primal. They like the chicken. That's the one they favor. Well, George is allergic to poultry. He can't have poultry. So it's we do we rotate beef, lamb, and venison along with all of his um, additives for you know joint yes. and yeah. And they got to get some grain in too. The, the vet was on my ass about that. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, get grain in because the notion of not having grain was a bit of an urban myth. I got oh. a good. I got a good talking to about it. So he has the primal, and I mix in other stuff. They both do. They both eat the same thing. What kind of grain do you add in? I have a. There's a kibble that has the right kind of grain that would they recommended, but I do like it's about. I would say what they eat is about. 70, like 65, 70% primal, and the other, the dividend is the kibble. Why do they say that he, they need grain? What, what? I forget. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> well, George seems to always want snacks, and we have meat snacks galore. I mean, he is a dog. Yeah. Yeah. He wants to eat. Um, and so then we, I walk him, and then um, depending on the day, because I go to the gym twice a week with my trainer, Butch, mm-hmm. who I've been working out with for... 20, almost 24 years. Uh, love him. So, But in between, I'll do my own in-house workout. Like I'll do either the five Tibetan rites, which is a series of like yoga-esque poses that keep you, your spine and your body limber and your, and your sort of your balance in order. Like it's really important as you age to have balance because that's what happens to a lot of people when they get old. They their balance is all whacked out, yeah, that, which is why they're always falling and and they can't focus. And my mother, yeah, it's really it's a it's an important addition to mm-hmm. your health regime. And then, I mean, I do you know I go look at emails. I respond to you know business. Um, I read the New York Times. The actual paper. You do. Oh yeah, we still get the New York Times. Love it. I love. I love a hard like copy. Yep. Yeah, we get New York um, Magazine. We get the New Yorker. We get the New York Times, and I like to. I like to hold something while I'm reading. I just don't. I don't. I. I mean, I read the Washington Post online because I'm not going to subscribe to that. Right. And there are some certain things that you can, you can't just have yeah. piles of paper. Um, and then it depends, you know. I either go to the gym and then I go grocery shopping. Come Do you home. any online groceries? Well, um, for he- for heavy <laughs> loads. Like when we need to get big bottles of um, olive oil yeah. or, you know, washing liquid. You know, yeah. I, I really don't like doing that because I don't like I don't like how hard it is for people who deliver – to have to do what they do. I know that's their job and they're getting paid to do it. Yeah. But I personally, and, and also the waste of, of paper bags that yeah. come. Yeah. I, I just, but sometimes you don't have a choice. So I say maybe once a month we'll do a heavy order. Okay. But otherwise I, you know, I also carry home really heavy bags from Whole Foods because that's a, another part of my workout. So I'm walking briskly down the street carrying a bag in each hand. Yeah, I've got the Whole Foods, and I have a Trader Joe's near me too, which is helpful. Yeah, yeah, and I do a little fresh direct mm-hmm. for the heavy stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the paper products. Like I'd rather mm-hmm. not. Like why? Well, they're bulky, and it's hard to like. Mm-hmm. And so then I'll go home and I'll um, putter around, and then I usually watch Nicole Wallace mm-hmm. at four o'clock, and simultaneously either get dinner together or. You know, make phone calls or just do, do whatever I need to do. Right. But that's just the, th- those are the days when okay. I'm home and nothing specific is happening. Do you have writing time? Uh, my writing time is just varies. Except, I it's yeah. it's really about it's jotting time because I'm jotting things constantly. I am too. Like and I'm they're a... usually from from you know observing mm-hmm. or something that's just happened or you know opening a package of, of something from Whole Foods that's rotten. And so then I, I immediately, like, write something about that. Um, <laughs> like I said, if you, if I mean, you, really if you going think deep. for one minute you're going to walk into Whole Foods and get a fresh wheel of goat brie, think again. <laughs> that will never happen. So, you know, so I'll write things like that. 
And then the specificity of it and the, the wording of it comes to me. Um, sometimes as I'm walking, so I have to run in and to, to write it down because I like the way you know, the words come mm-hmm. together. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's kind of my average day. And then Sarah comes home. We have dinner. We talk a lot. We are not watching as much TV as we did, obviously, during the pandemic. I was going to ask you, like, what have you been watching lately? What's been turning well, you I, on? Well, I just finished the uh, fourth season of Fauda, mm-hmm. the Israeli show, which I love. Okay. Um, we finally watched the film Tar, which you was think? amazing. I was blown away. It was. I could watch her read a phone book. A tour de force. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I wish it had been a series, to be <laughs> honest with you. I, I mean, I just wanted to, you know, go on that that ride with Lydia Tarr. Yeah. Or Linda. That's right. Hey, Linda. Ma said you'd be coming by. That was so fucking, that was like the cherry on the fucking yeah. icing of the Ugh. of the sloppy Sunday the, of a life she created. I mean, absolutely brilliant. We are our own creation. Ah. Yes. Love that film. I did like her apartment with her her girl. Was it a, a wife, a girlfriend? I couldn't figure that uh, one out. It was just her partner. Her partner, you know. but, but that apartment was sick. It was something in Berlin. Yep. Absolutely Hot. amazing. Yeah. yeah, everything was just like, but she kept her other crappy apartment. Which wasn't so crappy. No, but you know. It was cute. She didn't want to fully commit because she had her. One foot in there. Yeah, one foot in, one foot out. Right. Of her del- self-delusion. She's so good. That movie oh my intense. god! I mean, she committed. She always commits. Yeah, yeah. But that was that was a tough role. Yep, was a was lot this, going on. Oh my god! And the the boxing and the and the just the anger right under the surface of the mm-hmm. skin. You know, all of it was just that rage, man. Oh, bubbling all the time. Phenomenal. Yeah. So we watched that. Um, we watched the Super Bowl, went over to friends to watch the Super Bowl, which was fun. Yeah. Riri and her baby. Yeah, Riri. <laughs> Crazy. I honestly, yeah, my I'm I'm not real I'm very low on the appointment viewing, like linear television. Like I cut the cable cord even. Like I've got friends over at MSNBC and like I don't get I see what I see of their shows are clips I see on Twitter. You see, I have to have my, I have to have my spectrum. I get it. I love New York One. Well, you get that. They don't tell you this, but I have spectrum internet only, but you do get New York One and I do get my pack here and fix because I got to have, yeah, I need my New York One. So you you get that where? Um, I I have an Apple TV connected to my smart TV. Right. And there is a spectrum New York One app. And you get to watch that, but I don't have cable. I don't have a cable subscription, but I have internet. But you get New York One. I can't. Time. I just can't do it. I, Sarah's always like, "Do you know how much money we spend on cable every month?" I was like, "We spend know. lots of money on a lot yeah. of things." That's. Yeah. But I'm here. This is what makes me happy. I like the continuity it's of a, live it's a, TV. It's, it's your thing. And Enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, don't even watch. I mean, hardly ever watch network television. I can't it's remember the last time. Wasteland. Yeah. But I still like to like, you know, jump around and mm-hmm. see what's on. I know it's great. It's crazy. No, it's I, old school. It's how we, we have Roku and we have like it's all it's just a mess. I know. It's a I hot know. fucking mess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I think the dust is gonna settle like in five years or less, really. It's gonna be very interesting to see where this whole like Disney Plus, HBO Max, Netflix, Hulu landscape is going to – what it's all going to look like. Like right now I'm subscribing to – I have HBO Max, Hulu because I love my handmaids. Um, Amazon. Amazon. Um, Disney Plus. Paramount I'm, Plus. I Should I? No. Or, okay. I, I, you might, I just thought you might. No. Because it's so, like all the pluses. I should start my own fucking plus. George Han plus. Like what should I do? For OnlyFans? Yeah, that's what I'll do. I'll do the calendar rip in the nude. That's George Han plus. Now, <laughs> there's just too much. Yes, there is. There's just too fucking much. So sometimes I just go. I, there's only certain things that really lure me in. Tell me this. In pursuits of scripted content, acting work, 
has this landscape, this digital a la carte landscape changed like opportunity amounts or anything? Like are, are you seeing – are you getting called in more or no. less or it's the same? No. It's the same? Yeah. I mean I think so many of these shows have people that are unknown. Right. Oh, yeah. And I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. I can't really – I can't fully answer that. Because there is so much fucking content. I can't yeah. – like where is Netflix – I think they're all kind of like pulling it in now because they've overspent. But yeah. Like, there was a period there where like Netflix was coming out with another movie and a full-on series like every 10 minutes. I'm like, where are you? This cannot be all from like $9 subscriptions. This is nuts. It Yeah. I don't – it's a, it's stuff that I don't even spend that much time thinking about, yeah. to be honest with you. I find right. it incredibly boring, even yeah. though I'm in the business and I'm a hu- you know, I'm hugely involved with it. I don't I don't analyze things like that. I find it I find it draining. I find it counterintuitive to being a creative person thinking about you know digital platforms and and all these things that everybody's talking about. It doesn't it doesn't register with me. Right. Are you on TikTok? Mm-mm. Instagram and Twitter? Mhm. And are you tweeting more or less lately? Have you experienced like this Elon era is freaking me out. I, I, he, he doesn't phase me one way or the other. Nothing's changed. I, I tweet when I'm something I think is interesting to say or I retweet mm-hmm. something, but I've never really gotten into like the whole conversation with people on, on Twitter. It doesn't interest me. I, I look at my comments a lot less because they got like when he took it over, they got a little more toxic, but. I like Twitter for the creative output aspect of it. Twitter to me has always been a playground. Mm-hmm. Like I'll try a one-liner because mm-hmm. you know right away you get feedback right away. Yeah, which is kind of fun for me. Yeah. Um, and in terms of you know visibility, it's been very good to me. Um, people leaving and saying they're you know they're over it. I'm like, I, no, I'm still having a good time usually there. I don't see. I don't even get into that. Yeah. Slipstream. Yeah. I don't. It doesn't. I don't. I don't like live that way. Gotcha. You know, I don't talk about social media. I just either do it or I don't. Mm-hmm. And that's it, you know. And you do your updates when you're out and about. Yeah. 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 And I'm, if I'm really moved to do something that I think will be fun, you know, I'll do a little live thing. Mm-hmm. But that's not you something do. that I'm interested in doing on a regular basis because I don't – that's not how I want to live my life. It's too – it's too innervating. Mm-hmm. I mean, after you've done one of those, it's it's like pr- a performance. I mean, if oh, you're yeah. if you do what I do, which is create and perform, you're not. I mean, it's not like a, it's not dry. It's like something you know, live and fun, and you want to make it fun, mm-hmm. and then you're tired afterwards. And it's not. It doesn't. I don't want to just give it away either. Right. Yeah. You There's know, that. once in a blue moon, it's nice to do it mm-hmm. and connect with people, and then it's like. You want to come see me? Come see me. Yeah. When you have a show coming, like when do you and Mitchie start getting together and working through the holiday show? Um, we kind of do it all year long. You know, okay. shows just sort of evolve one show into the next. Yeah. And for those who don't know, Mitchie's Mitch Kaplan. Well, you, my musical director. Yeah. We've been working together since 1985. Yeah. And we've written a lot of shows together. You know, w- with. The first two with John Boscovich, who was my collaborator, who passed away, sadly. Um, but Mitch and I continue to work together. Mm-hmm. I'm always writing material constantly. And then I suggest songs to listen to that I like, and he listens to them. And then we just put it, put it together. It's not that complicated. You did a mashup in this New Year's. What was it? Um, it was a real disco moment. It was delicious. Oh, it, oh, it was just – it was my tribute to Andre Leontali. It was only a mashup because I added in things that Andre actually – Love Hangover. Love Hangover that Andre actually said to me over the years. Yeah. So it was like this tribute to him and yeah. and his voice through it. The way you talk about him makes me think about the connection thing. We're not connecting the way we used to – or a lot of people, I should say, are not connecting the way humans are really – wired to connect to other people and how friendships really for longevity and a happy life. Yes. Eat well, get sleep, get exercise and do all of that. But like at the top of the list is our connection with other people and talking in real time and friendships and relationships. Mm -hmm. And I love the way you've talked about it several times. 
uh, since Andre died last year. You guys talked every day. Like it's so great to have friends like that. We so that's so rare. That so, that person you check in with every day, who knows you like nobody else does. And I just look at the landscape that is life. I'm like, more of that, please, for me, for everybody. Yeah, that's why I'm. In, that's why I'm in such reaction to social media because it doesn't no provide that. It's not. It's at all. not real. No, you, and you have quote unquote relationships with people, but you don't even know them. Mm-hmm. Uh, one a person has relationships with strangers. Right. Um, and I long for the depth and emotion and feeling of you know of the human touch and 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 the continuity that I had with somebody like Andre and it's been a big big hole in my life since he died it's been terrible I can imagine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know you loved him a lot mm-hmm. you had uh, I don't want to say mentors but I have Paul Mooney was I was gonna mentor. say like these these fierce black men in your mm-hmm. life Paul Mooney mm-hmm. Richard Pryor mm-hmm. Uh, was he? Would he? He wasn't a mentor. No, the only reason I was connected with him was him. because of Paul Mooney. Right. Paul Mooney brought a bunch of young, unknown performers onto the Richard Pryor show. Right. In the seventies on NBC. Mm-hmm. Pryor was like a he was like a island, you know. Yeah. He was a very very. I'm not saying he didn't have his friends, and he was incredibly supportive of all the young talent. But you didn't get you weren't hanging out with him, you know. Right. But Mooney discovered me the first night I got up to perform at the Yee Little Club in Beverly Hills when I was yeah. 19 and took me under his wing. It was it was Paul Mooney and my friend Lotus Weinstock, um, who was an incredible comedian, singer, song, or songwriter from Philadelphia. And they were both there that night. They knew each other. And so she was like my Jewish soul sister. And Mooney was my, you know, my black brother, angel, mentor, you know, he just guided me through all the, you know, formative years of my career. You uh, and maybe it's he who kind of I, I think about you the way you emerged and the climate in which you emerged because the conception, at least in my mind, and correct me if I'm wrong because I totally could be, that like women in comedy were supposed to be a certain way. Yes, like self-deprecating. Self-deprecating. Like uh-huh. Phyllis Diller was a beautiful woman, but she had to get a freak on yeah. to do a show, and right. she had to put on that garish drag. Joan the same with Joan. I played mean, the ugly duckling, but she was always cute. Like yeah. I'm like, you're not ugly. I'm not buying this. But like, yeah, well, I broke all the. I shattered yeah. that whole you know notion. Right. And people were like very, very like confused and c- confounded by it because. Yeah. I was post-feminist, you know. I came. I was the first one out of the the feminist movement who weren't was apologizing. Doing, no, there was nothing to apologize yeah. for. I was. I, of course, every young person is insecure and doesn't feel completely at home in their bodies, in their skin. But I just put that aside. That was a separate thing I was going through. But when I was on stage, I was sophisticated. I was beautiful. I was sexy. I was groovy. Still I was are, in the know. Darling. Still, well, it, I'm not. I didn't say any of that to, for a compliment. That was just the approach I took yeah. to my performing. Yeah. To you know, so that I was pushing against all of these notions that you had to be the girl next door. But even the girl next door, if she was trying to do comedy, would still have to do something that was you know, self-effacing. You know, right. And, and Mary Tyler Moore was gorgeous, but you know, Mary was like goofy, or Carol Burnett was you know, also ugly duckling. Almost every woman that was amazing had to do something to make men and other women feel comfortable. God. Where do you think at the time – like I'm thinking about when my cousin Catherine did it. She was early in her movie career and she was in this – she was an anchorman, Will Ferrell's movie. Mm-hmm. It's a tiny little role. She was kind of a newbie on film sets and she was she – was, she had told me later. She said like, – she was watching – Steve Carell, because there was a fair amount of improvisation on the set. She was, saw Steve Carell like doing his thing. And Catherine was like, I didn't know that we were allowed to do shit like that. Like it gave her – it was freeing. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, I, I gave her permission to sort of be a certain way. Like I didn't know I was allowed to do that. Yeah. Was there anybody like – was it Bette Midler who like, who like sort of triggered things in you at the time? Yeah, it was, it was like, Bette Midler and Lily, Lily Tomlin yeah. with the two women. 
that I emulated, borrowed from, yeah. looked to, you know, bet for her sort of like the musical aspect and the just like the, you know, body throw, you're throwing everything aside, just going balls out. Yep. And then Lily's just brilliant, sort of like intellectual miles ahead of everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So those were two big major influences on my performance style. She, it was my friend. Oh, you know, Dean Mellon hairstylist, my friend Dean. Yeah. Um, when I was still living in Boston, my conception of Bette Midler up to the time was like the eighties, Bette outrageous fortune, you know, uh, 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 what was the, the movies that she did the eighties, yeah. Bette, and it had been very toned down. Yeah. And Dean got me her first two albums, Bette Midler and the Divine Miss. Divine Miss Sound was my, I was like, like what the fuck is this? And I saw her on my way on my way home from Israel in 1973 at the um, Palace Theater, mm-hmm. and I bought four tickets for me and my three friends, um, scalpers tickets. They were twenty dollars each. So I had to go. I had to cash my travelers checks. So I went to the Howard Johnsons on Broadway, and they they cashed my travelers checks for me. Um, I ran back. I got the tickets. And we went in, and it was like the first time I'd seen a man with an earring. I'd never seen a, you know, I'd never seen a gay man before. So the whole show, they were wearing like you know velvet jackets and earrings, and it was a fabulous night. It was December, no November, nineteen seventy three, and that night was like did your head explode? A revelation for me. Wow. And Barry Manilow was her <sighs> musical director, and he he played. And you know, in the intermission, he did his own set, mm-hmm. and he was so talented and amazing. Oh. So that was a huge, huge moment. And then, so when I watched Bet evolve, I was kind of like bummed out. I just, I was like, stay with, stay with the, the, the outrageousness. Stay with, you know. She's acknowledged that, I think. And like, I recently. talked to her about it on my, I mean, I interviewed and talked to her in my show. And, you know, I told her that the Divine Rassam was amazing. Then she re released it. Now, I don't know if it was because I said it was amazing, but maybe a little bit, you know? Yeah. But she's got like her on, on Twitter. She's very ballsy. Mm. she got you know, but that's Twitter. But I also think she gets herself into needless trouble. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think that's a different thing. I mean, right. to be to take your energy and your outrage at normalcy and put it into your performing is one thing. Mm-hmm. To say specific things that are incendiary and possibly dangerous in the world we're living in is something different. Yeah. I mean, I was always able to say a lot in my shows that I would never in a million years put in writing on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Because what's the point? Right. You know, I'm talking into a void anyway. I'm either talking to people who love me and who agree with me, Mm -hmm. or maybe I'm talking to a few people who want to, you know, you know, slap back. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be slapped back. I don't want to. I don't like that feeling. I don't want to be in in a in a in a battle with somebody I don't know, and who's potentially dangerous. Yeah. No, it doesn't speak to me. Yeah, I had one flirtation with a death threat. That was enough. Yeah. Because of something, a video I had done. I'm like, oh, yeah, I had a taste of that. I'm good. No, it's just not worth it. Mm-mm. It's not worth it. To what end? You're not, I mean, through Sandyland, many people have called in and said, you know, you really changed the way I think politically. You know, I, I was always a Republican. I'm voting Democrat this time. Thank you for opening me up. And I'm like, how nice. You know, and I, I do what I do politically sparingly when it really has impact. I don't beat people over the head, but every th- I feel everything I talk about is inherently political, mm-hmm. without saying political sp- specificity and explicit. Yeah, yeah, it's like what you stand for as a human being is either inherently, you know, liberating or it's not. You know, right. and I've always infused all of my work with with that philosophy. So then I don't feel like I ever have to say, you know, whatever. You know, it's it's a myriad of, of, of topics you don't need to always get involved with. Yeah. One, one, one topic I always get involved with is abortion rights mm-hmm. because I think that it's one of the ones that gets put on a back burner because men are usually controlling the narrative. And no man can understand what it's like to, to try and not get pregnant or get pregnant and not want to be, 
or feeling like, what am I going to do if I have this baby and I can't, or God forbid something you know drastic happens in the pregnancy, no man could ever physically, emotionally know what that experience is. So it's the women, women run that and it pisses men off, I think, because they don't. And men's contribution to the reproductive process lasts maybe six seconds if it's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> and I've always said if you want to have like if there should be a conference and it should be nine months, then it should be women. Men get to talk at the very beginning and you have six seconds. Go. That's funny. Now you're done. Shut the fuck up and get out of the room because that the rest is, is up brilliant. to the women. Yeah. It's true. So, so that I'm willing to put myself on the line over and over and over again. And, uh, and of course other things too. But – that is my number one priority, being a woman, having already gone through it when I was a teenager, and now on the flip side of it, back to square one, mm-hmm. I find unconscionable and outrageous and unforgivable. Did you ever think you'd see it go? This? Yeah. No. I didn't. I, yeah. God, okay. no. I mean, I knew, I knew we were, like, always at risk of losing certain things, but not like this. Right. Uh-uh. Molly, when no. something went down, oh, it was when the draft was leaked. Uh huh. And Molly mm-hmm. jung fast and mm-hmm. said, "Roe is done." Mm. I was like, "Are you sure?" Because mm. I was like in the fairy tale land, but mm. she saw it mm. and she was like, "It's done." Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, really?" Ugh. And then it ultimately was official, Ooh. like some months later. But what? Well, the they were f- building the the whole, you know, the yeah, whole sick, you know. I thought Joe was great. I thought the oh, State of the Union his, show was, was amazing. Absolutely amazing. And he took it on the road. I like, love him. I do too. Love him. Love I him. Do too. There are very few. I think like would I love to be invited to so and so's house for Thanksgiving? I'd love to go to the Biden's house for mm. Thanksgiving. They're amazing. Right? Mm. Real. You know, and this is a guy who has had real tragedy and yeah. heartbreak and yeah. you cannot touch him on the empathy score. No. Nope. no. Really blown my mind. Yeah, I think we're lucky to have him. Oh, lucky. And didn't really, like there's a lot to brag about and it just doesn't seem to be his style, I guess. I don't know. Well, but I I think he finally is, like he has the right people posting the right kind of message now. And we can flex. Yeah. 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 I think he did the right thing. He held back until Mm -hmm. he got everything just sort of on on track. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to do our part, you and I. Well, we always will. Live in the smart way. Have to. Have to. I'm so glad you came over. Me too, honey. We should do this more often. So fun. Isn't it? Yeah. You look amazing. Thank you. You look fresh and beautiful. Well, you know. Yeah. We have access to a lot of, you know, gifts. We do. In the world we live in. We do. I love city living. Yeah. I love New York City. Oh, well, I mean. I mean, it's funny. You would never, you wouldn't think, oh, this is like the bastion of health, but in many ways, it is because we have access. Yeah, and also like just the being able to walk places because mm-hmm. you can walk, you can walk anywhere, but you don't get anywhere in the in most parts of the country. And here, you can walk ten blocks and just be where you need to be, getting things you need to have. It's not aimless walking; it's like purposeful walking. I'm about to go buy myself a ticket to the Philharmonic for the first time ever because I've oh, never gone. Oh, how exciting. Because I want to check out that newly renovated concert hall, which looks super sexy. Amazing. And I want to hear that sound because I've never uh, done that before. And is it's that a the walk- Gaff- Is that the Gaffin yeah. Hall? Yeah. Have you seen it yet? No. I want to check it out just for the fun. Mm. You know? So I Bravo. love that we can do that Bravo. here. Bravo. We cheer. We have stuff. We have mm. access to such amazing things. Mm. Within an arm's reach. Art, music, mm-hmm. theater. Fashion. Yeah, New York, New York is HQ for a lot. Oh yeah, and I it like really that. is. Mm-hmm. We're lucky. We're lucky kittens. And I'm glad you're here. I'm like glad you're here. Look at us. Thanks for having me on. And that's it for this episode of the George Hahn podcast. I really could talk to Sandra all day. You know, we kind of broke it all down there. I think we fixed pretty much everything, yeah? Uh, You can find Sandra at her website at sandrabernhard.com. She's also on Instagram at Sandra G. Bernhard, all one word, Sandra G. Bernhard, and on Twitter at Sandra Bernhard. And if she's performing anywhere near you, don't blow it. 
Get tickets and go. You'll thank me later. As for me, I can be found on my website at georgehan.com. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram as georgehan. On TikTok, I'm georgehanNYC. And on the new emerging platform, post.news, I'm just George. And just a reminder, this podcast is free of charge and free from advertising. If you enjoyed it and want me to make more, please consider a one-time support contribution or a monthly subscription by going to georgehan.com slash support. Whichever way you go, I'm glad you're here. And thank you for listening.